All right. Am I on? I'm on. All right. Good morning. I am Pastor Austin. Um, still getting used to that, by the way. Um, so this morning, I mean, I just echo Todd's, Todd's prayer for us. Um, and, and the song we just sang is, you can probably tell by my voice, I need to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit um, because I'm, I'm just struggling today with some illness, as many of us are. I'm going to do my best here. Um, it's, it's a blessing to be here regardless. Um, so maybe if, if you hear me struggling, just, just pray for me real quick. Uh, but as we begin, uh, let's just pray and uh, we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that I get to be here uh, and do this. Lord, I thank you just for where you have had me in your word um, the past month or so. Um, God, I just ask that you would speak through me, Lord. Your people don't need to hear Austin's words. They need to hear your word. Um, They don't need to wrestle with my words. They need to wrestle with your word um, as I've been doing, as you've been making me do. Um, God, I just ask that, as Todd said, your, your presence would be overflowing, overwhelming in this place. Lord, we need more of you. We need to be more aware of you. God, we need to seek you more. And I just pray today you give us the the eyes, the ears to hear and and listen, and the uh, heart to desire you more. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so we are going to be, if you want to turn in your Bibles, um, I hope you have your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, there are some on the pew backs in front of you. Uh, If you do not own a Bible, that's our gift to you. You now own a Bible. Um, We're going to be in Philippians 3 today. Philippians 3, we're going to pick up in uh, verse 7. But before, before we go there, I have a, uh, I have a quote. And so as, as I was preparing for this sermon, it was it's really just a one-off. There's no uh, rhyme or reason to it. But I, I was thinking of as we go into the new year, what, what can be our, our goal? Right? They say, you know, everybody is doing a resolution. There's more people do resolutions than watch the Super Bowl and, and so forth. And also more people fail at their resolutions by February than watch the Super Bowl. Um, so I wanted to go kind of above and beyond this and, and give us a goal we can be straining towards this whole year. Um, so the whole idea here is to, is to go hard after God or to strain, as, as Paul says in uh, Philippians, after God. So A.W. Tozer uh, said this in relation to uh, what we're going to talk about today. If you don't know A.W. Tozer, I super recommend just looking him up. Awesome man. Uh, lots of great stuff to say, particularly about worship and Christian discipleship. But anyway, he says, how tragic that we in this dark day, this is 1948, by the way, that we in this dark day have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. Everything is made to center on the initial act of accepting Christ. And we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. We've been snared in the coils of a spurious logic, which insists that if we have found him, we need no longer seek after him. I think, if anything, that's become more true in 2019 than it was in 1948. And I think it's going to remain true in 2020 as the year flips over. So, 
Tozer rejects this, this false logic, um, and I'm going to encourage us, I'm going to reject it, I hope you're going to join us in that, this rejection of this false logic, that if we've found Christ, if we have him, if we know him, we need to no more seek him. We don't need to get to know him any better, in other words. I would suggest that's a dangerous place to be. That's a scary kind of logic. That's not how relationships work, first of all, but we'll get into that in a minute. So uh, as we talk about straining towards this goal here, um, it kind of re- reminds me of my time on the track team in, uh, in high school. And so, so I ran track, um, I did discus, I did the 400, all of those events. They tried to get me to do the 100, but my short stubby legs just couldn't keep up. Um, and so I, I realized that, that, this, that our track motto really lines up with what I'm talking about. So here it is. Our motto was go hard. That was it. Just, just go hard. And whatever you're doing in practice, go hard. While you're running up and down a hill doing push-ups at the top and the bottom, go hard. While you're in the weight room, go hard. While you have a breather mask on and you're running with someone behind you holding a leash, go hard. Um, while you're on the track bus, go hard. While you're eating after a track meet at McDonald's, go hard. Um, so, but it's all in pursuit of this goal to succeed athletically. Um, and I found out that I was actually somewhat decent um, at, this, at this track, but I, I realized as I was writing this, you know, track for me involved a lot of suffering. Um, it's, I mean, because if you've ever, anybody who's been a, a track athlete, you know that uh, it's really just an inhuman experience in suffering of what you can torture your body with and, and to endure. Um, but I realized that the blessing in that is now I'm better equipped uh, by God to teach on such subjects. So anyway, go hard. Let's uh, pick up in verse 7, Philippians 3, read about what Paul has to say about going hard after God. So Paul says, Paul the Apostle, by the way, says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the, <clears throat> the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Notice what he did there, how he flipped over from, he said counted, right? Past tense. I counted all those things as lost. All those things that I had had before or had gained up until this point, I counted them as lost. But then he says, and going forward, I'm still currently counting them as lost to me. As in fact, rubbish compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ right? He's, he's valuing just, just the mere fact of knowing Christ more than all the things he had gained. And if you go back, Paul talks about all the things he had gained. Paul was set up, by the way. I mean, educated at a, in a top institution. He was a big deal with the religious uh, powers of the time. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, as he says. Um, he had it going for him. He had a good heritage being a, of the tribe of Benjamin and, and all these things. He, he per- persecuted the church, so all the Jews were, you know, like on board with that. But he counted it all as loss. 
and he was still counting all that as loss. <clears throat> but let's keep going. We'll, we'll pick up there again in a second. Verse 9, we only made it to verse 9. And he says, and be found in him. So in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's huge. Um, we, we super don't have time to unpack that today. But suffice it to say is that we're enabled to pursue God's righteousness, not because of our own righteousness, but because he has enabled us to, to become, to strive after, to strain for holiness by his spirit at work in us. Um, that's a great, there's, there's a John Piper sermon that unpacks all that. It's awesome. Verse 12, straining toward the goal, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, get this, one thing he does, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal that to you. That's great. I love that he put that in there. He put that probably for me. Um, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So there's a lot, a lot in there. Let's, Let's first, let's break it down. We'll kind of step by step this. So first, seven through 10, Paul talks about everything is rubbish. Knowing Christ and being known by him is a treasure of surpassing value, Paul considers. Paul, who arguably had most of the things that, that a man of his time in his social and economic uh, place could hope for, right? There's, there's not a whole lot of other things you can, you can attain at, at that point. But Matthew 13, 14, uh, sorry, 13, 44 and 45 talks about the pearl of great price and how there was, Jesus talks about this, how the kingdom of God, knowing him, is like this treasure in a field that someone would sell all that they own and just buy that field for the treasure that's in it. So, so I think the question then becomes is, well, well, why, right? Why is he that pearl of great price? Why is he the treasure found in a field uh, beyond value? Why should we seek to strive after him and consider everything else rubbish in comparison, right? Not necessarily is everything else rubbish. A lot of things are rubbish that we don't consider rubbish. I think we could probably sort through that list and agree on some things there. Uh, But there are good things. But in comparison to Christ, this is the point Paul is making here. And it's because of this. Jesus is the only eternally satisfying thing. He's the only eternally satisfying person, right? There's, there's nothing else. I remember uh, Pastor Todd had talked one time about that Disneyland feeling you get or the Disney World feeling you get. You, you go and it's great. And then they ask you, well, what, what, how was it like? You're like, ah, oh, it was all this, but there's always, there's always the but. Any other thing is gonna have that, well, but it wasn't exactly like I hoped. 
Jesus doesn't have, there's no, there's no but with Jesus. He's eternally satisfying in everything. And so in the new year, right, there's gonna be the resolves, the resolutions to seek change in pursuit of, you name it, peace, respite, uh, satisfaction, um, security financially or, or otherwise, or just relaxation, fitness, health, all those things. Secret, Christ alone is able to bring about a lasting change of any sort, right? We can seek after all those things and most likely we'll fall short, we'll maybe give up, like most of my resolutions. But if we would just pursue first after him, I think we would be amazed at how those other things begin to fall in line, right? A, a wise brother um, once described it like this to me. He said, imagine a bunch of little buckets, right? So there's a little bucket in the center. There's a bigger bucket and a bigger bucket and a bigger bucket. And from the middle bucket, that's Jesus, right? And if that is correct, if that's right, it's filling up and it's overflowing into the next bucket, which is like your spouse, right? And if that's, if that's overflowing, if Jesus is overflowing into that, that one's gonna fill up properly and it's gonna overflow into family and work and ministry and so forth and outward and outward. It's like that. If we would first strain after him, so many other things would begin to right themselves, to be sorted out. Because then, this relationship we have, which is, which is based on knowing this person who is Jesus, would be the center, would be the hinge on which the rest of our universe begins to rotate. <clears throat> We'd begin to see things as he would see them, think through things as he would think through them, treat people as he treats them, love them like he would love them. And I, and I think we sometimes have a hard time doing that, though. Um, or I'm just, maybe just me. Uh, but here's the thing, and, and this is something that really sat with me as I, as I was pondering this. And I would say this has even tipped it over for me because I was considering doing something else at first um, when Eric approached me. Uh, but this is what kind of kicked it off. What I'd been working through was relationship, right? I just have always felt like there's, how can I take my relationship to the next level with Jesus, right? How can I just get to know him better, right? Have you ever, I mean, you remember being in love or you're, you're probably in love now if you're, if you're married or have a spouse or maybe you're, you're a younger person and you're pursuing love. I know you guys, I see you laughing. Um, but remember just that first moment of pursuit and, and I remember, I'll use, just use my wife, getting to know her and meeting her and seeing how beautiful she is and listening to her talk and I just wanted to get to know every single thing. I was like, how how can I just take this to the next level? How can I anticipate things? You know, how can I get to know her so like that I just, I know what she's gonna say. Um, I also realized like over time, you get to know that too, because repetition is a thing. But uh, I need repetition sometimes. And that's what we need with Jesus. We, we need to have that desire to go to the next level. It's based on knowing him as a person. Relationships don't grow just by that, like that mere fact of saying, oh, I know that guy. 
right? That's, that's what Tozer was talking about in the beginning. He says, oh, well, I know him. That, that makes you maybe an acquaintance, right? Everything in Scripture points to this relationship we have with, with God like a marriage relationship. That level of, of deep and, and real just authenticity and, and intimacy. I go back to track, right? So on the, on the track field, another, another way we get to know, we get to understand uh, someone or even uh, learn about them is listening to them, right? Is listening to them, plain and simple. In track, I had to listen to my coach, shocker. I had to listen to him. And, and once I, I realized, like, I started listening to him, things started going better for me. I started doing better. I, I would run with my, my fist like this, which if you've ever run, it's not aerodynamic. Don't do that. Coach, said, coach Young said, open your hands. I'm like, what are you talking about, coach? He, so he forced my hands open. And I'm like, oh, like the, I shaved like two seconds off my, that's huge, by the way. I shaved like two seconds off a 400-meter time. Big, just from listening to coach. And he would begin to work with me through these other things. Coach Young, by the way, he would, he would demonstrate these things, but he was also like, he was, he's ancient. I have no clue how old coach was, but I mean, he had like four teeth and he might've participated in the first track events, but he knew what he was doing is the point. He had had just years of experience and he would get down on the blocks and do these things and hike up and he would show you, he would demonstrate everything. Um, amazingly spry for however old he was. And as I began to emulate him, as I began to listen and put those things into practice, I saw how my performance was enhanced, how it was changed, how I would improve almost like every step. And I thought, look, there's, there's no way I'm gonna get better than this. This is it. And coach would say, all right, now we'll start leaning forward while you run instead of arching back like that. Again, shave off some time. It's amazing if we listen to our coach. Jesus, what, what begins to take place in our lives. Secondly, the, the other reason we should go hard, seek after him, this is number two, by the way, is, uh, so if you're following along, first of everything is rubbish, right? Talked about that. Secondly, Christ has made us his own. Plain and simple. Why should we seek after him? He already sought us. Again, Go back to how relationships work. There are two ways. He has already upheld his end of the, of the deal, of the relationship. He's doing his 100%. Now it's on us. Are we going to do our 100%? I, was, I learned that in marriage uh, counseling, or not counseling, in premarital uh, counseling, by the way, is you can't give like 80 and the other person can give 20, or you can't both give 50 and think that's going to work. You both have to give 100 and then... Um, it, that's how marriage works. I'm not super great at math, but it seems to make sense as we live it out. Third reason, okay, so we have everything is rubbish. We have Christ has made us his own. Number three, hurdles will come. Hurdles will come. If you've lived any amount of time on this earth, um, I'm pretty sure you've run into some hurdles. You can name it. So I have a hurdle story uh, in track as well. Um, so I was, I was doing the sprinting right, 
and uh, they were short one day. Somebody had gotten injured, and they needed someone to do the, the hurdles, and uh, they, so they say, Austin, come over. The track captain said, Austin, come over here. He was one of my best friends. Um, he said, all right, try out these hurdles, right, because so-and-so got hurt. We need someone to fill in, or we can't compete. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I stretch out, limber up, run through the hurdles. Like nothing. I'm like, I was made to hurdle, right? This is no big deal. Um, until I, I, so I ran through the 100 meters of the hurdles, and I jogged back up. And they said, that was great. That was, that was phenomenal. If you were competing in the ladies' event, you would have been amazing because those were girl hurdles. So then they showed me the men hurdles, and I was like, that's high. I was like, I did the whole, yeah, I don't know about that. I was like, we're gonna, you got somebody taller than me who can do this maybe? Um, so long story short, I did not end up competing in the hurdles because that was not my thing. Turns out I was not designed to hurdle. So how does this translate? Well, I thought about my, my lack of desire to strain. My, maybe my lack of desire to train my body and even my lack of desire to train my mind with the hurdle coach of what I needed to do. Because turns out, Sure, people can actually jump pretty high if, if you go through the right motions and utilize your body in the right way, if you stretch enough. Um, because there was girls that were shorter than me who could easily do the guy hurdles. Um, so it put me to shame even further after that. But I, I, had, I just didn't have the desire. I, I saw the hurdles. They were really tall. Like they were like 42 inches, which I couldn't get a real one. And I had a sawhorse, but that was, turns out, that was the same size as the girl hurdles. Um, so it, was, it just wasn't going to help us. Because um, yeah, you would look at it and you'd be like, you couldn't get over that. And it's, no, it's, it's really high. Um, and I didn't want to strain. And how often do we, do we see a hurdle and we, desire, we just desire not to press in? We say, you know what, that's, I'm going to go around. Maybe this event of straining after Christ is not for me because it's hard. Maybe I'm just gonna sit here at the starting line. Right? Maybe I'm just gonna you know, practice getting my feet up on the blocks. Like we had runners who would do that. It seemed, it seemed like the 100 meter guys would just practice getting up on the blocks, like all practice. Like, do you guys ever run? They did, only like 100 meters though. Um, hurdles are gonna come, however. We are assured in this life there will be hurdles. What we do know about Christ, though, is he conquers hurdles. Where do we see that? All those times, you know, he, he, told, us, he told storms to be quiet and they obeyed. So we, we have the option. Are we going to press into him and see what he does when we run into hurdles? Or are we going to wait at the starting line? Or are we going to go around? Are we going to try another event when it's more convenient for us? Because we don't desire to strain. Because it will be hard. Because it requires listening to the coach. Because it requires training the body and the mind. Paul talks about how athletes uh, have this, this ability to, uh, to discipline themselves, to control their bodies in such a way 
that it does what they tell it when they compete. Right? And he says, I do the same thing spiritually. He says, I beat my body, not as someone who's boxing the air, but someone who's beating my body into submission so that it does what I want, in other words. The second thing about hurdles is uh, they're a hindrance, plain and simple, right? That's, that's the whole point of hurdling them. You have to get over the, the hindrance, which, which Paul talks about <clears throat> in verse 8 and verse 11. I just want to go back there for us real quick. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, righteousness from God that depends on faith. In verse 11, he says that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. So it's this idea of, of getting rid of whatever's hindering us from that pursuit, right? If, if we were, if we were going to put this back on the track uh, again, what we would do is, this is, what do we do about hurdles? How do we get over them or get around them or get through them? This is that. This is what he's talking about. He says, by any means possible, this is how we do this. Andy Minio has a quote, and he says this. Uh, it's in one of his songs. Anything I follow, anything I lose to follow Christ is not a loss. My money, my friends, my girlfriend, even my job, don't believe the lie that God will not provide for his child when they obey. That's so cray. For anyone uh, born before the 2000s, that means crazy. Cray. Crazy. He says there's anything that we do lose, anything that we do give up to follow Christ, any, anything that's a hindrance that we have to throw off isn't actually a loss. That's what Paul probably talks about when he says, I, I'm actually gaining here. I'm gaining Christ. Because why? Because God provides for his children when they obey. Would we just take God at his word on that? Would we, would we in 2020 just begin to strain towards that goal, that pursuit of knowing Christ deeper and more, and just trust that when he says, throw this off, we do that, he's gonna provide something that we actually need or should have instead? <clears throat> See, hindrances also made me think of another thing. Uh, we would do this training and track, and this is where I'm gonna, it's gonna get into the inhuman stuff, um, is you would, they would make you run they would make you do your normal event, right? So imagine 400 meters is one time around the track, right? Just as fast as you can, just all out. Their coach would always be like, pace yourself. And I'm like, coach, there's no pacing myself. It's just try not to die and get there as fast as I can. Probably something I should have listened to more. I don't know. Um, I never got to that point. But they would make you do it and they would put an umbrella on you. Like this, this like parachute looking thing that would float up behind you and it would drag you, like it would, it would slow you down. And that was the whole point, is that you have to strain harder against it for the purpose of training your muscles. Or sometimes they would, they would have someone, they would put you in a harness, and they'd give someone a long leash, 
and let them just run behind. You just have to pull them. You just pull. And sometimes you get someone who's smaller than you and you're like a freshman and you're just like, watch this kid. And, you know, and they're just dragging behind you and you're just running and it's great. Sometimes you get someone who's your best friend on the track team and he's 6'2 and enormous and Haitian and uh, he could pull you wherever he wanted if he felt like. But uh, he's letting you get down there because he's nice. Paul says to throw off hindrances. Right? These things remind me of, of things where when we look back and we see the parachute, we see the umbrella, we see the person with the leash, it's a past. It's a past failure. It's, it's maybe a bit of nostalgia that says, man, things were better back when this, or back when that person was doing this. John Piper says this, though. He says, we ought only look to the past for the purpose in our pursuit of Christ is something that's hindering us, is something that we don't need to look back into the past and focus on. In fact, that's something we need to leave in the past. Because if we are pursuing Christ, if we are in him, that's been, first of all, redeemed. That's been washed. That's clean. That slate isn't even, it's not even on the whiteboard. Don't put it, don't write it back on there. Something that I like to remember in the past is, is this. This is, and I think this is the, the correct view of how we use these past events is like this. There's a song that we've done a few times here called I Will Look Up. And it says, <coughs> excuse me, I will look up because there's none above you. I will bow down be, uh, to tell you that I love you, Jesus Lord of all. It says, then I will look back and see that you are faithful, and I'll look ahead, believing you are able. So in other words, what God has been faithful to us in the past is, is fuel to believe and trust moving forward. <clears throat> I think, though, sometimes the problem with that is uh, we, like, we like those leashes. We like those parachutes running behind us. In other words, uh, to, to quote Paul, we count our gain as gain, right? We don't count our gain as loss. We, we count it as gain. No, what I've got is, is what I've got, and, and I, I feel good about it. It's, it's who I am. It's, it's made me, in other words. It's something to be proud of. If you remember back to what Eric was saying about pride, uh, we know that that's a danger, dangerous place to be. So we count our gain as gain, and we refuse to surrender everything, not some things, not certain areas of our life that we feel comfortable with to God. When what he's asked for is everything, the whole thing. All to Jesus I surrender. Andy Minio also says this, same song. You want to put treasure in my hands, but you cease, because they're clamped holding on to sins I won't release. Boom. I'm going to let the, just let that say, say what it is right there. Actually, I thought of something last night. Uh, so I, was, I had Jude 
my baby, he's nine months old. He likes to, he's trying to walk on everything, and, he, and if he can get close to something, he will stand up on it and then just start to reach for everything on there. And his new thing is to like grab it, hold it in his hand, look at you, just throw it in the floor. It's like, man, there's, it's born into sin. Um, so we had a bowl of pecans or pecans, depending on where you're from. A bowl of pecans, I'm going to say pecans, on the table. And he just wanted all of them. He would grab one out and put it there and he'd hold it and he'd grab another one with his hand and then he had a problem because he only had two hands to grab with and there was many more pecans. Um, so what he ended up doing was just knocking the bowl and then they're all over the place and then he began the game of dropping them in the floor. But then his other instinct kicked in and he's like, all right, I got to start walking around somewhere. So he, looked back at, he looks back at dad and at this point I had taken the bowl behind him while he's playing on the table and started putting all the ones that fell on the floor back in the bowl because my wife's going to come home and be like, why are there pecans all over the floor? Um, so I had that in my lap and I'm watching the baby and he's looking back at me trying to figure out how he can grab onto me with two pecans in his hands like this, just little death grip pecans. And he couldn't, right? Because he's, he's got to grab onto the fingers. And so... I'm sitting there with the bowl, and I'm saying, look, buddy, I've got all these pecans. You can have the bowl. You just got to give me that one and grab my finger, and we'll be good. So eventually, after some coaxing, he drops the pecan into my hand, grabs my finger, and then he's doing the, the wobble thing with, like, the one hand, right, because he, he can't do the other hand. He's still got a pecan, and he eventually got that one from him, too, and then he's playing in the bowl. But, gosh, don't we do that? Can you just imagine the father saying, I've got the bowl of pecans right here. Let go of the one in your hand. You don't need that one. I've got them all. If we would just surrender everything as we strain towards our goal, towards our pursuit of Christ. The fourth thing, last thing. So we're going to wrap up here. And if you're in youth group, you know that means I'm about halfway done. That's a joke, probably. All right, so the fourth thing we have, we have everything's rubbish. Christ has made us his own. Hurdles will come for become an athlete in 2020. Would we become athletes in 2020? It's gonna require three things of us. First of all, this is a hard one, humility. Eric talked about this a while ago, but I promise you, I promise me, that pride with the I in the middle of the word is gonna be our biggest enemy in 2020. It, it's, it's not the devil, it's gonna be pride. It's gonna be you are your biggest hindrance, most likely, because you're probably gonna be clamped onto those pecans. You're probably gonna see that hurdle and think, that one's too big, can't do it. You could probably be like, I just don't wanna strain that hard. You might think to yourself, yeah, but I deserve this instead. Or maybe it'll just be me. But so humility. Secondly, discipline. I know, they're not getting better. Discipline, it, it, it is. If we're gonna be an athlete, athletes have discipline. I'll be honest, I did not wanna go to track practice every day. But what did I end up doing? All right, so sometimes I would give a note to my coach saying the teacher kept me for theater practice too. But 
I had to be disciplined and go to practice some of the time at least. Discipline spiritually and physically. Paul talks about literally beating his body into submission, or sorry, it's probably a metaphor. Metaphorically beating his body into submission. Other people were beating his body for him, come to think of it. To have that self-control, to make our body do what we desire it to do. In the same way, spiritual disciplines are where that comes from, right? So whether it's prayer, whether it's personal worship, whether it's accountability in discipleship groups, in life groups, in journey groups, there's, there's plenty of groups to do that in. Time in the word, and I'm sorry, it's just, it's just a necessity. If you don't believe me, go ask Tim. It's, it's just it's one of the basics. If, you are, if you're gonna be a Christ athlete and strain towards the goal, it's, that's something you do. It's, it's putting on your cleats or your spikes. Third thing, last thing. Be dissatisfied. Let me explain. Be dissatisfied with your current spiritual life. Right? Don't, see, complacency, in other words, is gonna be another hindrance. It's going to be another hurdle. That's what keeps us on the blocks, saying, you know what? Let me just sit here. Let me just practice. Make sure I get my heels up right. Make sure I get a good start when I finally do start. I'm not going to start, but if I were to, be dissatisfied with your current spiritual life. And I would say that is the whole goal of straining after Christ. That is, that's maybe, you could say, the crux of straining after Christ, is to, I'm not okay with where I am now. I need to know you more. I need to know you deeper. I need to be closer with you. I need to hear your voice. And this is just where I've been, is, is I've been this craving, this, I need, to, I need to get closer. I need to get closer to that goal. I don't hear enough, I don't think. I don't feel close enough all the time. But it's those moments of intimacy, of authenticity, whether in prayer or worship or, or hearing what our coach is saying in the word to us that, that feel that, that give that desire, that passion to even pursue. So last thought. <clears throat> In all those things, humility, discipline, dissatisfaction with our current state. In a, in a, uh, in a journey group I was participating in with, some, with discipleship with a couple of the youth guys, this came up for us. And this is something that, that I want to really focus on in 2020 personally. Um, I'd encourage you with this. If you fed your body... So if, if you fed your body, you, we eat, we all eat, um, like you feed your soul. So like how dead? Are, are you like, you know, just a, a little bit dead? Are you just a little shriveled, you know? Do you maybe look a little bit lean, perhaps? Or are you just like mummified, like <laughs> you gone? If you fed your body like you feed your soul, how dead are you? Or maybe how alive are you? I mean, it's, it could go either way. It doesn't have to be a negative. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. As, as some, some days, I'm, I'm not sure if I would make it. Other days, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Other days, I'm like, man, I might be too full right now. Um, but that's not consistency, I would say. And I know I eat every day because um, I, I certainly don't have the track athlete figure that I used to have. But uh, what I need, what I will be eternally satisfied in in 2020 and after that, because it's eternal, um, will be to strain after Christ, will be to pursue him, will be to meet with him daily, to hear his advice, his instruction from his word, to talk and listen to him in prayer. Um, and I just invite you to do those things with me this year. In 2020, will we count everything as rubbish? Will we trust that Christ has made us his own, Trust that he's able to overcome the hurdles that will appear in our lives and then train ourselves as athletes this year. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's just so apparent in my life and I, and I believe maybe for many of us that we are in such desperate need of you God, we, we even need you to help us need you more. God, we, we need you to help us love you more. And I ask for that for us this morning. Lord, I pray that you give us a passion, a desire to pursue you in this 2020 coming up. Lord, I pray that anything that is becoming a hindrance, whether it's our past failures or, or whatever might be drudged up, to come back at us, whether it's hurdles that look simply too high, whether it's a lack of desire to train, whether it's complacency with where we currently are. God, would you just make us dissatisfied with everything until we would focus you on you, until we would strain wholeheartedly after you, give you everything and not just some of the things. Lord, I just thank you uh, that you would even begin this, that you would even make us your own so that we could strive after you to make you our own. Not that we're perfect, not that I'm perfect, but God, that's our, that's what we're straining for. Perfection, which is you. Just thank you and praise you for who you are. In the name of Jesus.